Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to free or best and worst of the weekend. We are taking your calls. We have Dan Shulman from the Duke Carolina game. He had the call on Saturday night as the Devils beat the Tar Heels. Many of you are unhappy as Carolina fans. Many of you are thrilled as Duke fans. It's a little bit more complicated than that among the neutral observers. Tar Heels did a lot right. But as they've done multiple times this year, they let a big lead get away. Up 13 with four and a half minutes to go. They let it get into overtime, and then they lost it there. 98-96 to 96 was the final. Mike Krzyzewski getting some best of the weekend for, correct, for leading his troops in all the correct ways. Roy Williams getting some worst of the weekend for failing that same test in the eyes of many. Trey Jones, Vernon Carey, Cassius Stanley, Wendell Moore with the game winner, all getting best of the weekend love from the Duke side of the fence. If you watched XFL football this weekend, Tell us what you thought, because the early TV ratings were really, really good. 3.3 million viewers on average. All eight teams were in action. The early reviews were good, at least according to the TV numbers initially. And remember, unlike the AAF and some of the other failed leagues, every single game in the XFL will be on either ESPN, ESPN2, ABC, Fox proper, FS1, or FS2. So those are not obscure channels the way you sometimes had a hard time finding games for some of these other attempted outdoor pro football leagues. Steve Levy had the play-by-play. -play. They took you inside the coach's booth. They took you inside the replay booth. We even had an F-bomb dropped on live television. You might have expected that when Vince McMahon was wearing his WWF or now WWE hat. You know, pro wrestling can go in any direction at any given time. Although those guys seemed incredibly well coached not to drop F-bombs, even as they're hitting each other with folding chairs. In the XFL, there was an F-bomb on live television. They will continue to persevere. The crowds were pretty good, 17,000-plus for all four games. Seven of the eight cities, remember, that have XFL football are actual NFL cities. And the only one that doesn't, St. Louis, of course, used to be an NFL city. There's not a lot of star power, by the way. You could have your opinion about the football, but some of the more famous, and that's in air quotes, names, were like former NFL guy Landry Jones, who's actually hurt and wasn't even playing. Uh, Cardale Jones from Ohio State, another guy who didn't quite make it in the NFL. And Aaron Murray, fairly well known in terms of name recognition. Guy named P.J. Walker quarterback was actually one of the stars a former temple owls qb that most people had never heard of and yet was one of the stars even if he doesn't have a big name coming out of week one of xfl football if you watched what did you think and of course we're taking your calls from all over the sports universe on best and worst of the weekend as we go to gary and wilson rob in goldsboro and you can chime in on duke carolina or anything else in the sports world a quick reminder that we are two weeks from the nfl combine there's all sorts of speculation about where cam newton's going to end up and a lot of it has him going elsewhere not returning to your carolina panthers the prospects for the nfl combine report two weeks from today and at least six college quarterbacks are projected to go in the first or second rounds. So if you're one of those American sports fans, and there are millions who cannot put football on the back burner, maybe you watch the XFL, or maybe you're not watching mostly players that you don't know for teams that are scattered all the way across the country. If you're still following the NFL version of football, Joe Burrow of LSU, Tua Tungavaloa of Alabama, Justin Herbert of Oregon, they're all expected to be like top half of the first round. 
Panthers pick seventh. Will a quarterback be there that intrigues them? Who knows? Long way to the draft. But the combine being two weeks away is a reminder that those are the big three quarterback names. And there are believers that a guy like Jordan Love of Utah State could end up in the first round. If you find a quarterback that you fall in love with, remember, Russell Wilson dropped all the way to the third round and turned out quite nicely for the Seattle Seahawks. Guy named Tom Brady infamously fell all the way to the sixth round, turned out to be the GOAT for the New England Patriots. It only takes one team to fall in love with you. So you could have all these NFL draft gurus saying, oh, he probably slots as a third rounder. If one NFL team feels differently about a Jordan Love of Utah State or there's a kid named Jacob Eason coming out of Washington, we've all seen Jake Fromm play for the Georgia Bulldogs. A lot of teams don't like those guys. Somebody might love one of those guys, and that can turn them into a first-round pick based in part on what they show at the NFL Combine starting two weeks from today. Meanwhile, would you believe – Pitchers and catchers report to spring training in baseball this week. Major League Baseball. Now, the full teams are not in camp until like a week from now. And the games, the real games, are a long way away. But interesting that as we turn the page on the Super Bowl and some other things, baseball's almost back. The NFL never seems to go away. College basketball, of course, is hot and heavy, Duke, Carolina, and otherwise. Gary is in Wilson, and he has ACC basketball on his mind. Welcome to the program. Yes, thank you, David. Yes, sir. The best and worst of the weekend. The best is the ACC as a full conference in basketball, even though there'll be more carnage tonight among the top teams with Florida State and Duke, the ACC currently has three of the top eight teams in the national poll. Well, it's funny you're giving them credit because most are beating up the ACC right now because they say they're only a three-team league, and that doesn't happen very often. Yeah. My worst of the weekend would be from the XFL. I do not enjoy the sideline interviewing during the game of the player. Maybe that's my coaching and athletic directing sensibilities being applied to a, a this creation but I don't blame you I don't blame you hey did you see I didn't watch a lot of XFL I was just curious enough to tune in for a little bit but there was a play where somebody's conducting a sideline interview with a player and in the middle of the interview the guy says I got to get in there they just called my number like to get into the game so you know what Vince McMahon's trying to do because it's an experimental league, they, they want to turn it into a developmental league more than anything. Everybody says, you know, Tom Dundon's league that ended up flopping, they all say they want to be developmental leagues. They want to partner with the NFL. So train referees, train players, et cetera, so that experiment with rules so the NFL doesn't have to experiment with some ideas themselves. On Sundays, these leagues basically offer to partner. But what they're doing is they're pushing the envelope when it comes to TV exposure. And that means things like, you know, you could hear the play call from the offensive coordinator. There's a camera and a microphone in the coach's booth. That's not something the NFL typically would allow. Or talking to a head coach, that happens at the Pro Bowl in the NFL, where the football doesn't really matter a whole lot. It doesn't happen in NFL regular season action, right? Nobody was going out there to Andy Reid or Kyle Shanahan in the middle of Super Bowl 54 saying, what did you think about that last drive? What do you need to do now? 
really the closest that we have in more traditional sports would be the halftime interview. NBA, sometimes you get a timeout interview. Greg Popovich of the Spurs, among those who famously is not a big fan of stopping the flow of the game, and he's got to trot down to the baseline and talk to a, a TV commentator. A lot of coaches can't stand it. You know, the ACC has uh, a partnership in TV that demands the head coach coming into or out of the halftime break. And you know who doesn't do that and hasn't for years? Mike Krzyzewski. Now, he does agree to provide whoever his right-hand man is in that given year, Jeff Capel for years before he took the pit job, you know, a John Shire nowadays. But those are partnerships between conferences or leagues and their TV partners. And if you have an experimental league, what's XFL? People don't know it. You need to be different. You need to be cutting edge. These microphones and cameras in much different places are part of your attempt to be different. And the football is, of course, not going to be NFL-caliber football. Everybody knows that. The theory is if you can take more people into more places they've never been as football fans in the coach's booth, you know, they put them in the replay booth where you can hear the replay official talking to the guy on the field who's about to explain why the last play was reversed. And that was kind of interesting. Now, I don't know if it's just – something that will go away, if it's just a novelty that will wear off, or whether it will lead more people to tune in more often. But you can't fault the XFL for trying. I just know that many coaches and players want to draw more strict lines. There was a time that in one of the games I saw that I'm pretty sure I saw the cameraman bump the face mask of a player on the field. The XFL camera dudes are out there. I'm telling you, if there is a – if there is a snap over the quarterback's head in an XFL game, you're going to hit a cameraman because the XFL has guys that far out there. As long as it doesn't happen, he's fine and has time to get out of the way. If it's a snap over the QB's head, that cameraman would be in best position to catch that snap from center, and I'm not sure that's what anybody wants. 1-800-849-2761. Bruce is in micro North Carolina. And tuned into the XFL. Others want in on Duke, Carolina. I think we could take those calls for three hours. Remember, Dan Shulman of ESPN joins us in about 45 minutes after being the play-by-play man for the 100th anniversary of Duke, Carolina. Bruce, welcome to the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. Hey, David. How you doing today, my friend? Doing great, man. What's on your mind? Uh, I got my best of the weekend and worst of the weekend is XFL. Okay? The best of the weekend I don't know what the kid's number was, but it was, he was wearing the jersey number 33. He, he was a, a back that came out of the backfield, and it was actually uh, he made a catch under a linebacker and then a safety on top of him over his head. It was almost like the guy that caught the ball with the Velcro on his helmet type of catch. But he made that catch. Well, the thing that was best about that, that guy came back on the field recovering from a broken back. Yikes! And they came and they they interviewed him on the field uh, off on the sideline, and said they said we're broken back and everything. I mean you're out here playing. What? Is, and he said simply this: I just love to play football. Well, I'll tell you what, you could tell that guys, while not being great at execution, there was some ugly offensive football in the XFL, and usually the less practice time you have, the more defenses are ahead of the offenses, and I think we saw a lot of that this weekend. I was surprised pleasantly at the individual talent level, and then on one of the broadcasts they brought up, I believe the number is right around 50% 
50% or so of XFL players were associated with an NFL team within the last 12 months. Now, that doesn't always mean they were on the active roster. It could have been a practice squad or something like that. Maybe they were just a spring training or a preseason camp cut or whatever. But 50% of the current eight XFL rosters were tied to the NFL last year. And, of course, I imagine a large majority of those guys are trying to get back there. Best thing for the NFL is this isn't their experiment. This isn't their money. Whether it flops or does great or whatever, they've got more players on tape against other quality players. Not all NFL quality, but if half your roster is spent time on an NFL roster, it's not you're not exactly chopped liver either. So it's like a free farm system. The way college basketball has been for so long for the NBA, the way college football has been for so long for the NFL, this is a caliber of football that is better than most of what you see in Division I college football. And that's a better way to evaluate players that you're considering for your NFL roster. 1-800-849-2761. As the Panthers are in the midst of a complete rebuild in the NFL, did you all see what the NBA franchise in our backyard did this weekend? The Charlotte Hornets don't even have like five guys that most people would recognize as members of the Charlotte Hornets. I mean, they're way out of the playoff picture. I believe right now they have the fourth worst record in the entire NBA. There are more people who call our statewide show excited about what opponent is visiting the Charlotte Hornets than there are listeners who are begging me for tickets to Charlotte Hornets games. Seriously. I mean, they want to see the visitor more than they want to see the home team. That doesn't happen when people are asking us for college football or college basketball tickets or Carolina Hurricanes hockey tickets. We send dozens of you there all the time. It happens in the NBA. Well, two of the bigger names – Marvin Williams, formerly of UNC, 33 years old now and, you know, in the twilight of his NBA career, he was bought out and is on his way to the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, Marvin joins us regularly on the David Glenn Show. I root for the guy. He's one of the nicest guys on and off the court that you'll ever bump into, and I'm rooting for him to have a shot. He's never won the NBA title, right? So after six years with the mostly miserable Charlotte Hornets, who don't make the playoffs most of the time, and when they do, they're out pretty quickly. He jumps into or onto a roster, the Milwaukee Bucks, that thanks to Giannis Antetokounmpo and Chris Middleton and those guys, they're one of the best bets to win the NBA title. You might like the Lakers and LeBron better with AD on that team. You might like the Clippers with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. You can't have a top five without including the Milwaukee Bucks, who are the best team in the Eastern Conference that I've seen by quite a margin. Marvin Williams, rather than playing out the string on bad teams, gets a shot to join the Milwaukee Bucks. What does that mean for the Hornets is a different question, but Marvin gets a legitimate chance to win the NBA title. And meanwhile, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, perhaps one of the most costly missteps in the history of the Hornets in the NBA draft. That year they had the number two overall pick, MKG was really good for the Kentucky Wildcats. He won a national championship under John Calipari on that Anthony Davis team. AD was the number one overall pick that year, and it's turned out to be a perennial NBA All-Star, as expected. MKG's just a nice player. That's all he was. He was a nice player. He didn't have the skill set, offensively especially, to blossom into a superstar. I saw that when he was a prep All-American, playing in the McDonald's All-American game. For whatever reason, with the number two overall pick in 2012, and if you don't cash in when you have top five NBA picks, 
you are just doomed to finish near the basement in your conference or division. At number two overall, the Hornets selected Michael Kidd-Gilchrist back in 2012. On the same weekend when they buy out Marvin Williams, and he's now with the Milwaukee Bucks, they waived MKG after his eight years almost in a Hornets uniform. It sounded like last I saw the Dallas Mavericks, who are a playoff team, are going to pick up MKG, but they're going to pick him up as a role player. I think that's what he was destined to be all along coming out of Kentucky with that skill set. I remember my producer at the time is no longer with us, but Hayes Permar, if you're listening, you can verify this. I wanted the Hornets to take Bradley Beal. Now, I'm not always right on draft day either, but of the other guys in the 2012 draft, where I'm looking at MKG and saying, man, you were really good on that Kentucky national title team, but you weren't the man. You were kind of a glue guy. You were a rebounder and an elite defender, but you've been offensively limited for a long time. You sound like an NBA player, but you don't sound anything like a top five first-round NBA pick to me. Sure enough, the Hornets picked him number two overall. Ever heard of Damian Lillard? Yeah, Damian Lillard, who's turned out quite nicely, was the number six overall pick that year. Bradley Beal was selected number three by the Wizards, and he has been an all-star caliber player for much of his career there. The, the Hornets ended up with MKG, good guy, hard worker, but never really more than a Swiss Army knife, I think, at the college or pro level. That, maybe not as bad as Adam Morrison, top five overall. That was one of the worst nightmares in Hornets NBA draft history. But somewhere on the short list of why the NBA team in our backyard is in the wrong headlines far more often than it is in the right ones. No more Marvin, no more MKG. And the Hornets have the fourth worst record in the NBA. 1-800-849-2761. What was the best thing you saw? What was the worst thing you saw anywhere in the sports universe? And what made it that this weekend? The Carolina Hurricanes got some love. Phil Mickelson in golf. John Jones in the UFC octagon. Why did Spike Lee make best of the weekend on a sports show? He did. The Academy Awards, not sports-related per se, but Spike Lee got some best of the weekend love. You can jump in with your best or worst of the weekend. Dan Shulman of ESPN will have the, had the call for Duke Carolina. will join us in about 40 minutes. You can be next by dialing 1-800-849-2761. Did you hear what an SEC Network basketball announcer said about an upcoming gymnastics event that got him in hot water with his employer? That was the worst of the weekend that hit my inbox. More on those crazy stories with more of your calls, Duke, Carolina, and other best and worst of the weekend. That's next on The David Glenn Show. Jerome Robinson, are you a hugger or a handshake guy? H how does it work if Adam Silver is waiting for you? I really don't know. I, I hope it's not awkward. <laughs> um, you know, I hope it's not like a hand-to-hug-to-hand -to -hand kind of thing, but... I don't know. I might just mess around and just hug him. No hands. I think he's a hugger. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. It's exciting to have football here and, you know, after the NFL season. I watched some of the games last night. I've learned that it happens all really, really fast. You know, a 25-second play clock, which I love. I think, I think there are some things within this game I think the kickoff is interesting. A lot of the things that the NFL is hoping to adopt, I think it's a chance to see how it is executed at this level, and I think we might see some of it. 
Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. That was Troy Aikman, sideline reporter, sort of. He was actually being interviewed by the sideline reporter. He almost got tackled soon after that or maybe right before that interview. The XFL did debut its part two, 2.0 for Vince McMahon and friends. If you saw it, what did you think? Jonathan Wilmington, Jonathan in Wilmington, wants to take us away from the Duke Carolina basketball game, as you might have guessed. A lot of Blue Devils, from Mike Krzyzewski to Trey Jones to Wendell Moore with the game-winning bucket, Vernon Carey and Cassius Stanley did foul out, but not before putting in some great contributions. 18-6 and six for Big Vern, 22-6 and six for Cassius Stanley. The Tar Heels did a lot right. They just didn't finish, and that has been a theme. They let big leads get away against Clemson and Virginia Tech earlier this year, home and away. They were up five with 21 seconds left against the Blue Devils, and yet lost. Duke at the end of regulation with Trey Jones' intentional free throw miss, then the bucket at the buzzer, and then Duke again at the end of overtime. Wendell Moore with the putback of Jones' air ball. Huge buckets to add to their long, long history at Duke of making big plays even at the Smith Center in this 100-year-old rivalry. Jonathan in Wilmington wants to take his vote elsewhere for best of the weekend. One thing I promised, Barry Booker of the SEC Network has been reprimanded and even did give an on-air apology this weekend. He was calling a basketball game. After 30-plus years in this industry, young people, listen up to this part if you get into sports media at any point. One, don't improvise on sensitive issues ever. Just don't. Don't improvise. Prepare for your show. You know what kind of game you're calling. You're not going to get many curveballs beyond the game that you're calling. But when you do get one, and in this particular case, during an SEC network broadcast of a men's basketball game. So Barry Booker had done his homework preparing for Arkansas against Missouri. Lean on your preparation throughout that game and you'll be fine. If an unexpected curveball comes, don't improvise. Don't. So the unexpected curveball came, and the play-by-play -play man, as he was contractually required to do, said, yeah, uh, an upcoming event here on the SEC Network is this women's gymnastics event. Don't improvise, Barry. Don't do it. I could have been screaming at my TV. Don't do it, man. His first instinct was to make an outdated caveman-like reference to Valentine's Day. Don't improvise. Don't improvise. So it's college women in gymnastics outfits, and his first instinct is a Valentine's Day reference. Bad idea. And then he goes beyond that and adds the phrase scantily clad girls as the play-by-play -play man looked like he was digging a hole that he could hide in. He actually blurted out, no, 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 no. This is a very family-friendly event. He tried to cover for Barry Booker. Booker later did apologize on the air during that same broadcast of Arkansas against Mizzou in men's basketball. But yes, if you want to check it out, there is a gymnastics event coming up on the SEC network. The other thing I would add to that for all listeners, more important than anything I could share in terms of my expertise after 30 plus years of covering Duke Carolina games or any other sports nugget I may be able to drop upon you, more than any other wit and wisdom, Valentine's Day is Friday. You can't say you forgot because you were listening to the David Glenn Show on Monday, and I warned you. So if you screw it up, now it's officially your fault. 1-800-849-2761. Jonathan, welcome to the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. Your best of the weekend came from beyond college basketball. What's going on? 
So my best of the weekend came from the Carolina Hurricanes. We started that game against Vegas very poorly uh, for the first two periods and then ended up coming back in the third period to send it to, to overtime and then in turn to a shootout. I think that if we are going to persevere for this half of the season and really make a strong play for the playoffs, we got to beat these strong teams like Vegas but in our division in order to propel ourselves into the spot we need to be in. Well, and just paint, to paint the bigger picture there, the Canes are on a four-game road trip. All four Western Conference opponents on this road trip are playoff-caliber teams, including the Golden Knights of Vegas, the opponent on Saturday night. It is rare to need four goals in the third period to win a hockey game. The Canes got four goals in the third period to push it to the overtime and then the shootout, as Jonathan said, and ended up winning. Justin Williams with more magic, the ageless wonder, and Andrei Svechnikov also had a goal in the shootout. But you can't come back that often that way, and it's a tribute to your effort, your grit, your toughness, kind of like Duke persevering after trailing for 43 out of 45 minutes and winning anyway in Chapel Hill. The Canes were fighting uphill against Vegas the whole night. And I actually didn't watch the whole game. I think it ended at like 1-something in the morning because of the time change out in Vegas. You don't beat a quality team like Vegas in their building when trailing that badly for that long very often. So I think it was Sebastian Ajo got one. Eric Halla is a former Vegas player who was part of their magical run to the Stanley Cup Finals a couple years ago. There was like an emotional pregame appreciation tribute to Halla. I mean, he looked like he was tearing up. And then he goes out and breaks a long scoring drought that he had for the Canes. So he contributes to a win against his former team on the same night that he was all emotional. Hayden Flurry from the blue line got a goal. Uh, Marty Natchez, the young skill player, got another goal. So those were your four third period goals. Wilson and Svech, uh, Justin Williams and Andrei Svechnikov got the two shootout goals. James Reimer kind of hung in there in what turned out to be a high-scoring affair as the Canes netminder. Now they're 2-1 and one on a difficult road trip. If you let that game get away, now you're 1-2 and two and you got to deal with a good Dallas hockey team tomorrow night in Dallas. And you could easily be coming home dropping three of your four games on a difficult road trip. Speaking of Valentine's Day, that's the next game the Canes are at home. So if you want to avoid the possibility of forgetting my Monday warning about when Valentine's Day is, just call the Carolina Hurricanes and get your Valentine's Day tickets. They host the Devils this Friday, which again, there's a quiz at the end of today's program. This Friday is indeed Valentine's Day. Big win for the Canes. Great on-the-road comeback victory. They are at Dallas tomorrow night. They do host the Devils on Friday, and they are right on the edge of the playoffs, folks. The Hornets are near the bottom of the NBA standings, like they're fourth and dropping, fourth from the bottom and dropping. The Canes are right on the cutting edge, man. The difference between playoffs and not in their division is razor thin, and they're just on the right side of that razor thanks to wins like that one at Vegas on Saturday night. That's a great best of the weekend, Jonathan, especially because of the details of that victory. We'll get to more of your calls on the other side. I'll tell you why Spike Lee is in, yes, the sports-related best of the weekends. LeBron James got some votes as well. Former Duke star Seth Curry got some love for his NBA performance over the weekend. You can jump in with your best or worst of the weekend by dialing 1-800-849-2761. Michigan State, Roy Williams... 
And the North Carolina Tar Heels joined announcer Barry Booker, scantily clad girls. Wrong phrase for a gymnastics event. On the worst of the weekend list, you can add to it by dialing 1-800-849-2761. More on those headlines with more of your phone calls next. Roy Williams, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Last year, two chains came walking by, and he reached his hand down and uh, shook my hand and said, two chains. And about five seconds after he walked away, I said, I missed a great opportunity. I should have said three rings. <laughs> Keep it here on the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to Best and Worst of the Weekend. Josh is in Cary and wants to talk about Duke and Carolina from a different angle than we've had so far today. Why is Michigan State in the worst of the weekend list, along with a lot of different Tar Heels and some men in stripes and Roy Williams, just as Duke dominated the best of, Carolina's getting some worst of so far today. You can be next with your question, comment, or ballot, 1-800-849-2761. Michigan State's football coach left at a really unusual time on the calendar. So we just had National Signing Day for college football programs. There was one in December. Mac Brown of UNC was celebrating another top 20 class with the Tar Heels. He joined us live here on the David Glenn Show. Almost all coaching transitions happen in college football. Late November, early December, the season's coming to an end, sometimes maybe after a bowl game. Well, Michigan State's longtime head coach, Mark D'Antonio, chose to step down at a really unusual time. Like, it was last week around this time. So right before the second signing day, that's really weird. And then there were some other details as well. Well, what we heard all along with his unusual stepping away and the timing of it, he's staying with Michigan State in a different capacity. He's just no longer their football coach. What we heard all along was that one of his protégés, a guy named Luke Fickle, who is the head coach at Cincinnati and has been with Dan D'Antonio and other places. It was like, well, it's weird, but it's all good because they've got the succession plan down. And that certainly helps, right? If the legend steps away, and he wasn't the greatest coach of all time, but he was a fixture there at Michigan State, great defensive coach, a lot of bowl trips and some Big Ten titles, et cetera. The weirdness was lessened, theoretically, because this Luke Fickle guy that he trained and mentored was going to be his successor. Well, guess what just happened earlier today? Luke Fickle says, I'm staying at Cincinnati. So now, I mean, anybody who's ever had the backup to the prom date, just in case the prom date bailed on you or got tired of you or just nixed you, maybe she waited until the very end to say, I'm not going with you, DG, just to break your heart that much more. Maybe you had a backup plan in mind. It's got to hurt a lot when your backup plan just made a public announcement that was also a no. Luke Fickle apparently choosing to stay at Cincinnati in the American Athletic Conference. He is an up-and-coming coach. I can see why the Spartans wanted to get him. Now they are back to square one at Michigan State. 1-800-849-2761. Josh is next. Welcome to the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead with your best or worst of the weekend. Ah, hey, man, what's going on? Hey, how are you doing today? Doing great, man. What's, what's up? Worst of the weekend, I'd say, is they didn't put the game. It was blocked out in the local area. They couldn't even watch it on local TV unless you're, you know, got a ESPN and all that kind of stuff. So, are, you, are you a cord cutter, Josh? Because, yeah, some, yeah. sometimes yeah. you can use the old antenna. 
Uh, but this this Duke Carolina game was ESPN. So you got no way. I, I don't know how that works. I'm just a guy, an old guy with cable, and I understand satellite TV as well. So if if you don't pay, if you're a cord cutter or a cord shaver, and you don't pay for any ESPN product, and that game Saturday night was on ESPN, what are your options? Like bar, restaurant, or a friend who has ESPN, or else you're out of luck? Yeah, pretty much it. I mean, there's probably ways to stream it online, but with all the uh, the craziness that's out there in the world these days, you don't really want to do that. You're not going to go the piracy route? Yeah. Yeah, probably a, a reflection of you as a good man. Uh, I guess, isn't this just like the forces of economics at work? They're going to dangle in front of you enough exclusive content to inspire you to somehow, some way, stay connected to ESPN. Otherwise, you know what their very capitalistic answer is. Tough. You want to see that game? Subscribe to ESPN. I mean, I guess that's just the way of the world to a great degree. What, what are they trying to do with, like, DAZN? which is a new uh, sports-related outlet. They're putting as many MMA bouts and heavyweight boxing matches and Canelo Alvarez and other you know, combat sports superstars. They're putting as many of those exclusive content bouts on DAZN so that you're inspired to do it. And even one more next level, has everybody seen ESPN Plus? Like Josh missed Duke Carolina because he doesn't have ESPN. I mean, I would have thought most people would improvise. Maybe my statewide audience can inform me on this. If you have no avenue to ESPN, you didn't just say I'm not watching Duke Carolina, did you? I mean, Charles, what are you? Are you, are you a cable satellite? What are you, you're, you're an ESPN person, so you watch the game through the traditional channel. But if you were not, young people are good at improvisation. You got to have either a friend. I mean, Maybe a friend you don't even like all that much, but you pretend to like just for that Saturday night Duke Carolina game. No? I mean, go to a bar. Go to a restaurant. Bar and restaurant would be pretty much a lockdown to have it on, right? All right, I feel bad for you, Josh and Kerry, but uh, I do not have the, the power to suspend the laws of economics here in the David Glenn Show. And I think whether it's ESPN+, Plus, if you're a parent of an athlete at one of the schools that has a deal with ESPN+, Plus, aren't you going to get it? Right? I mean, you're, it might not be – they don't have yet the mega millions of subscribers that they want. And for those who don't know, if you just have a traditional relationship with ESPN, maybe through your satellite or cable provider, you do not automatically get ESPN+. Plus. So what is one way for Disney slash the worldwide leader to add another revenue stream? Well, all of these events that we have acquired through our rights fees are now on this different platform – and if you want to see this ESPN Plus soccer match, lacrosse match, bas sometimes men's basketball, women's basketball, whatever, sometimes it's an MMA event. Wasn't part of UFC this weekend? Part was pay-per-view. I want to talk about how they've splintered it up for us as consumers. It was part on pay-per-view, old-fashioned pay-per-view, if you wanted to see John Jones get his 14th, a record 14th title bout victory in the history of MMA. He's now the record holder since he won this weekend. That match and some others were on the pay-per-view part. Uh, the middle preliminaries were on ESPN+. Plus. So they wanted you to go that next level. And then the early preliminaries were on ESPN proper. So they know they have 80 million-plus ESPN proper subscribers, right? 
So they're going to give you a little. That's the carrot. You already got ESPN, most of us, 80 million plus. It's something like 120 million American TV households. Uh, or it's, it's, it's shrinking depending on cable households, et cetera. The old antenna still qualifies you as a TV household according to one definition, of course. But cord shaving, cord cutting, now those numbers are dwindling. ESPN still one of the biggest, most carried networks, sports or otherwise, at the 80 million plus level. So they're going to give you those early preliminaries reminding you every eight and a half seconds that if you want to see the big bouts or the co-feature events, you got to be pay-per-view. And even if you want to see these mid-level bouts, you got to be ESPN+. Plus. That's where, that's where we are. Why? When Disney bought ESPN, they realized in part that ESPN had overspent for some of the rights fees. So the NFL is worth this, college basketball is worth that, college football is worth that. ESPN was so fat and happy for a while that Disney, upon buying ESPN, is like, man, you guys paid too much for a lot of these rights fees. And your numbers of subscribers are going down, and expenses going up and revenues going down is a bad combination. Hence, you have pay-per-view events, ESPN Plus events, and they need to pull you in. I can't blame them for acting like a, a company in a capitalistic system, right? They're going to save some of their best programming for platforms that you need to fork over some cash to see. I get it. And anybody who's wondering, by the way, even though my show is carried on ESPN radio affiliates all over North Carolina, many of them, I can say whatever I want. I am not restricted. Uh, I, don't, I don't take orders from the worldwide leader. In fact, I got some weird tweet that's, you're going to write it, I forget what I said that upset somebody. I'm going to write to ESPN and tell them why they should kick you off the air. My favorite part of that idiotic tweet, I mean, it's classic. Most complainers don't do their own homework. I've always believed that smart people who are fair-minded complimenting you is about as big a compliment as you can get. But I'm wired in a weird way. I'm from Philly. When ignorant Angry people take cheap shots at me that are lazy. Somehow it just gives me extra energy. So you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot. So I get this. We're going to get ESPN to fire you tweet, right? Isn't that symbolic of your own idiocy? Seriously, I've been at this for 34 years. Do you know how many different companies and people whose checks I have cashed? Literally tens of thousands Given that I've owned my own company, I have affiliates everywhere you look, I have sponsors everywhere you look. Do you know who does not sign my checks? Best part of his tweet, ESPN. So I just hope he keeps writing and writing and writing to ESPN, missing the tens of thousands of others that I actually have direct business relationships with. Unbelievable symbolism therein that he's writing to the one would-be employer that does not happen to be my employer. 1-800-849-2761. Somehow that's the best of the weekend for me. Back to your calls then, Dan Shulman. He had the call for Duke Carolina on Saturday night. He joins us live in about 15 minutes. More of your calls, too, on the David Glenn Show. The head devil, David Cutcliffe. You guys have a unique ability to, to just do it right. All the fans they're always going to defend their programs, and they should. Sometimes we all make somebody in another program mad or angry, but you guys are very fair to everybody. The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. 
1-800-849-2761. We do have lines open for the first time in a long time. Dan Shulman of ESPN was there at the Smith Center as Duke, down for almost the entire game, came back, pushed it to overtime, won it in OT. Trey Jones, Wendell Moore, Vernon Carey, Cassius Stanley, Mike Krzyzewski winning the chess match against Roy Williams and the Tar Heels. What was the best thing you saw? What was the worst thing you saw anywhere in the sports universe? Not just Duke Carolina. Take us elsewhere if you like, even elsewhere in college basketball. I got votes for Michigan over rival Michigan State. They're both NCAA tournament teams. Auburn's big comeback over top 25 LSU in overtime. An SEC battle that was one of the more entertaining games of the weekend until we saw that 100th anniversary game unfold in Chapel Hill on Saturday night. You can be next with your question comment or best or worst of the weekend ballot Dan Shulman live in less than 10 minutes Robin Goldsboro wants to take us a little bit off the beaten path I will give a quick shout out to Dustin Kearns in Appalachian State basketball they got a nice win over one of the best teams in the Sun Belt Texas State all DG show guard Justin Forrest hit the game-winning three in the last minute so check out my recent article at The Athletic and The Athletic Carolina, uh, I put out an all-ACC team, but I also put out an all-state of North Carolina team. So if your favorite player is at, you know, the Charlotte 49ers program or North Carolina Central, North Carolina A&T, UNC Greensboro, Wes Miller has another really good team. Justin Forrest at App State with the win this weekend. Uh, another Mountaineer on my all-state team, if you will. Rob in Goldsboro is next on the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. Yes, thank you so much. Good to have um, you, man. What's up? Yeah. Um, my best of the weekend is um, uh, is Syracuse um, beating uh, Louisville in women's basketball. And it will, it costs the NC State women to, because they play on Thursday. If they beat them, they will ha have an easier p path to have the number one. Yeah. And by the way, the new rankings are all out, and I'm, I'm glad you brought up the Wolfpack. NC State has had a really good women's basketball program under their coach, Wes Moore. The poll that came out today, like during the course of our show, or maybe an hour or so before our show, has the NC State Wolfpack number four in the national polls. That is the highest ranking in the history of NC State women's basketball. And obviously, you know, that school has great tradition with the two NCAA titles on the men's side. So this is the best among a lot of really good women's teams for Coach Moore. The Wolfpack is in a league where, remember, Louisville is really good. Florida State is really good. Uh, I think Carolina was the one that jumped up and bit the pack earlier this year. So the Tar Heels handed the Wolfpack to this point their only loss. The pack is 22-1. and one. So whereas it is a down year outside the big three for ACC men's basketball, and two of those three play tonight, Duke hosting Florida State. They're both ranked in the top ten. ACC women's hoops is carrying the flag quite nicely. Dan Shulman is next. I believe it is the NBA's turn in the line dance, and I don't think they can dance. I don't think they can dance as well as DG dances, and I'm only a three or a four. The David Glenn Show, weekdays at noon, 